Hey friends, I'm Jess Connolly. I'm an author, a coach, a Bible teacher, and a local church leader. And I love talking to real people who know what it means to have full lives, but also want to walk in abundance. This podcast is for you. It's not my podcast, it's ours. It's for people who crave lighthearted conversations and deeply spiritual truth. It's for people who are busy, tired, waiting, growing, dreaming, working, or praying about what's next. Wherever you're listening from, if it's quiet, mundane, or busy, I am praying for you and I'm so glad you're here. Let's go. All right, friends, we're going on an adventure today. Today's podcast episode, come with me, we're going on a trip. It's going to be an Ask Me Anything podcast episode. So I love when other podcasters do this. I love when they answer all kinds of random, fun, spicy, silly, serious questions. And we're going to do that today. But this is the thing. I keep telling you about the Jess Connolly podcast. It's our podcast. It's not just my podcast. So I don't want to make you just sit and listen to me talk about me. In light of that, I'm going to answer a few questions and then we are going to pop in in the middle of the episode an interview with a new friend of mine named Jonathan who works with and for Compassion International. And then we're going to come back and answer a few more spicy, serious, silly questions. I'm going off of some questions you all asked me online. And so we're going to dive in. Hold on to your hats. Let's hope this is fun. All right, pals, here is what we're going to do with the ask me anything questions. I'm going to go light, serious, funny, spicy. We're going to go back and forth. And I just want you to be prepared for quite the roller coaster, but I hope it's fun. So number one, we're going light. We're taking it easy to get started. And that is how did I find out that brown is my favorite color or that it's my color? So I love this question because some of you guys have been noticing I have gone hard on the color brown. I really just dove in deep right now. As we speak, I have brown nails, I have on a brown sweatshirt, and I have on brown shoes. That's not because I'm recording this episode. That's kind of what I wear almost every day. And here is the deal. I didn't care about brown a day in my life. I thought it was a yucky color until this past January. I was on a speaking trip. I was in Wisconsin and someone said, hey, you should get your colors done by this place called House of Color while you're here. They would like to help you find your colors. Now, I knew this was a thing that people did back in the 80s and the 90s, and they found out if they were like a spring, an autumn, a winter, a summer. And to be completely honest, I was very skeptical about it. I did not think it would be life-giving. I didn't want to be boxed in. I didn't want people to tell me what I could wear and couldn't wear. But I wanted to be a good sport and I was curious. I was like, all right, let's go get our colors done. And I don't know how to explain what happened to me, you guys, but I had a spiritual experience (laughs) when they showed me that brown is one of my colors And all of a sudden, my whole life made sense. And I kind of sound like I'm kidding, but I'm kind of not because it 
opened up something in my soul and in my life. And that is why I've been wearing so much brown. If you look at my Instagram feed, if you look at my website, you're going to see a ton of it, but it's because I realized that I love it and that it makes me feel happy. And that's how I found out that brown is my color. I am now a huge fan of the organization House of Color. You can probably find one near you or in your city or in your state. Find one of their representatives to help you figure out what your color is. Okay, we started silly. We're going we're going serious next. Why doesn't the church talk more about women and their sexual desires and or struggles? So, a few of you asked this in different ways. Like, why don't we talk about women and porn? Why don't we talk about women and their desire for their sexual desire? Why do we always talk about it when it comes to men? And I really, really, really appreciate this question. And I really appreciate that you think that I'm someone who wants to talk about this issue honestly, because I do. But I think the honest answer of why we don't talk about this more often is fear. I think it's fear and I think it's deep-seated sexism as it pertains to what we think certain people are allowed to struggle with or what we think certain people namely men versus women are allowed to feel or experience. I think it's why the same reason we don't give men enough space to process their emotion or to feel grief or to feel discouragement or defeat or fear, but we love talking to women about those things. I don't know that anyone necessarily asked this follow-up question, but I think the important follow-up question is, what do we do next? What do we do next to make it more appropriate for women to talk about what's happening in their bodies and in their souls and and in those things combined as it relates to their struggles and their desires? And I think the hard but honest answer is that we go bravely and vulnerably in our communities to save people and start these conversations And I have to say, every time I've been the brave person to say like, hey, can we talk about this? Can we talk about where we're struggling in this area? Can we talk about how we're feeling in this area or what we're desiring in this area or what we're scared of in this area or what happened to us and where we need healing? Every time I've opened up that conversation, even if I've felt really vulnerable and maybe a little scared, I do believe there's been fruit So I pray in the name of Jesus that starting in our small groups and in our friendships and then into our Bible studies, we can start to acknowledge that this is a very real issue for women and not just for men. Okay, we're going to stay serious. I'm sorry, just one more. I actually do kind of get this question all the time. I would say maybe once a week in some form, and I'm excited to share my thoughts. The question is this. Will you ever talk about women teaching and pastoring and its importance? And I would say the kind of sub question that I also get is, what do you believe about women teaching and pastoring? Here are my thoughts. You've heard me say this probably before if you've listened to the Jess Conley podcast. I believe that Jesus could say one word and we would all agree about everything. I believe that Jesus could say one word and we would all interpret scripture the exact same. But for whatever reason, that is not his plan for us. And so we all have this beautiful opportunity to read God's word, to try to come under it and understand it, and then to interpret it how we see fit. So what I can tell you is that I spent a long portion of my life believing that women should not preach and or teach the Bible 
and that they should not pastor. And then by coming under God's word and studying it and examining it, I began to interpret it in a new way. And so my personal belief is that women can teach and can pastor. I do not believe that I am skirting over scripture. I actually believe I'm coming under scripture in that belief of mine, that personal belief of mine. But I can be friends with people who do not interpret scripture that way. I really can, especially people who, like me, are humbly holding our hands up and saying, we just want what God wants. We, we really want to obey God. So that's my personal interpretation. I don't need everybody else to see it the exact way that I see it. But the question of will I ever talk about it is that, to be totally honest, it's not really a debate I'm open to having anymore in my life. I had it for a really long time. And again, I've done my own personal study here. I don't really feel called myself to bring people under my way of thinking about this. I think this is kind of one of these marvelous pieces of us all being connected through the internet when in reality, we need to go to church in our local communities and sit under teaching and have leadership that understands us and understands our context. So I don't know everybody's context. I don't know how they interpret scripture in your community. So I don't think it's necessarily healthy for me to say, hey, this is what I believe. And now I believe you should believe it this exact way on this issue. But I will tell you that I've done my research. I'm not departing from scripture and believing this. I'm not glossing over it. I don't think that because culture has changed, we can now interpret it in a new way. I actually believe that this is God's best for me, for our community. But I don't feel particularly called to convince other people of that. What's most important to me is that people want to be under God's word, that they want to receive teaching from God's word, that they want to have soft hearts, that they want to obey God. And I know that in a variety of different issues, this is going to be fleshed out in a variety of different ways. All right, slightly lighter question. What is your favorite part about being a mom and what is the hardest part about being a mom? Okay, I'm gonna start with the positive because I don't even know that I've ever verbalized this and get ready to be wowed. <laughs> My favorite part about being a mom is I would say almost every Saturday or like sometimes on a random weekday, there will be a moment where I'm doing the most random, mundane normal momming tasks. And I kind of catch a glimpse of myself and I think this is the dream. I like just taking care of people. True story. I kind of love doing the laundry. You won't really ever hear me complain about it. If I do, I'm trying to just be funny. Like kind of just love knowing like I'm taking care of my people. This past Saturday, I took two of my kids to the eye doctor <laughs> And I had to get up super early to take him to the eye doctor on a Saturday, but I was sitting outside the eye doctor and I had a fiction book in hand ready to read while they were going to get their eyes checked. And I just thought, I love being a mom. I love taking care of them. I love just helping meet their basic needs. I don't know. I just like them and I, I like taking care of them. I just always find that I see it in really mundane moments. I could say something here about like, I love seeing them step into their calling and I love them living their life or I love laughing with them. All those things are true, but I just think it's a fun gift of God that we get to help meet other people's needs. That's really life-giving to me. The hardest part about being a mom for me 
The last few years, I would say the hardest part with my kids becoming teenagers is feeling a very real tension that I think I'm in a very formative season of my life and knowing they are in a very formative season of their life. And the wild tension of putting aside your own emotions, your own desires, your own frustration, your own dreams, and not like crucifying them or pretending like they don't exist, but pressing pause on them because you know what's most important is being on this other human's team right now as their life is forming. I think that that's honestly one of the hardest parts for me. I would say on a lighter note or just maybe a more basic note, I think controlling my temper is another really hard part for me about motherhood. If you've ever heard me preach or if you've ever heard me get fired up on the podcast, I often say that my yelling voice at my kids sounds a lot like my preaching voice. And I'm just a passionate person. I can access emotion pretty easily. And so keeping my anger in check, the days that I'm able to, let me say this better, the weeks that I'm able to keep my anger in check, because I don't feel like it's just days anymore. I can go weeks now (laughs) keeping my anger in check, sometimes months. I feel like, wow, God is real. This was supernatural. And I'm very, very, very grateful. I also didn't grow up in the era of parenting, of gentle parenting. So I just want to give that little shout out that a lot of you might be listening with two-year-olds and three-year-olds and you get to watch reels about gentle parenting. And that is not how it was back in the early 2000s. No one was telling me to be gentle and I wish that maybe they would have. Okay, this is fun and I hope it will be lighthearted for you. Where is your favorite place to travel to? Nowhere. I hate travel. (laughs) I really do. (laughs) I think that somewhere in my heart, I know I want to see things, but somewhere in my heart, I also think I'll see them in eternity. I'm like, God could show me the pyramids later. I don't really feel like I want to see them now. I really don't have a desire in my heart to travel. I want to wake up in my house with my kids and drink from the same coffee mug. And I want to go to work. I want to go on a date night and I want to have fun. That's my honest desire. But the thing is, I know that travel is good for me. And I know that it's good to get out of your outside of your own space. I obviously travel to teach the Bible. I know I feel called to that. My favorite place to travel to is somewhere that I've already been though, because I just am not great at adventure and I'm not great at new things. And so it's really life-giving for me to go somewhere that I've already been so that I can not be overwhelmed with it. But if you're asking my favorite place I've ever been, if you're asking the favorite place I've ever traveled to already, that's a lot easier question for me. My favorite place that I've ever traveled to ever would probably have to be Portugal. And we, Nick and I went there once this year, we're hoping to go back soon with our kids and we did really love it. But I do want to be honest to say that even when I talk to Nick about traveling to Lisbon again, I say, you know, I'm praying for like for joy and desire in it because I know it's the good and right thing to do. I know that travel is such a gift and it's such a privilege. And I know that I want to be a person who doesn't just, doesn't just stay safe and comfy exactly where I'm supposed to be all the time. All right. This will not be spicy, but it will be sweet. Where did you and Nick meet? So I met Nicholas Sean Connolly in the fall of 
what year would it have been? 2000, 2000, in the fall of 2000. And I walked into a youth room at a new church that my family was visiting. And there was a boy with blonde hair who was wearing a monochromatic blue outfit. He had on khaki pants and a light blue collared shirt and a like slightly darker light blue sweater vest. And forget it. I was done. I thought I want to marry that guy. And I was a junior in high school and we did not immediately start dating. We became good friends. The Christmas of our junior year, really, it was New Year's Eve. We went to a New Year's Eve party and we danced at that New Year's Eve party. And I felt things (laughs) that I was, I love was awakened inside of me. And I really thought, again, I want to marry this boy. But we still didn't start dating. It wasn't until fall of 2001 that we started dating. And it was a really beautiful situation. It was really actually Holy Spirit inspired when we tell the story now to our kids, when we talk about it, it felt like we knew God was doing something and we were going to be together for a long time. And I'm glad that we weren't, weren't just crazy high schoolers. We were crazy high schoolers, but I'm glad we weren't just crazy high schoolers, but we were also hearing from God about that. And so that was fall 2001. It's now fall 2023. We just celebrated last week, the 22nd anniversary of our first date. But yeah, I met him in the youth room at youth group at a new church I was visiting, which I promptly started going to. We're going to pause here and jump into our conversation with Jonathan from Compassion. You guys, his story is so wild and so compelling. And then we'll be back in just a few minutes and I'll answer more spicy, silly, serious questions. Jonathan, thank you so much for joining us on the Jess Connolly podcast today. It's really a joy to be with you, Jess, and all of those that follow you and listen to this podcast. Oh, well, listen, we cannot wait to talk about Compassion International a little bit in a second. But first, will you just tell us a little bit about your story, what your life is like? We want to hear as much as you can share. Sure. Well, I'm from the Dominican Republic. It is very humid here. I always make make the joke that we have two seasons, summer and summer. <laughs> but to understand my story, we need to see the context of, of our, our own country. We, we're a country based on witchcraft and voodoo, santeria. It will be called more in South America. My mother was born in... She was in a in this in this environment of physical sexual abuse. She eventually ended up running from from our family because of the environment, and she ended up being homeless. It's in the midst of this context of being in the streets that she found a job. That's how she met my father. My mother saw him as a way out of the reality she was going through, and eventually she got pregnant. And so things just got complicated and more complicated. Eventually, uh, he wanted my mom to abort because he he didn't want his family to realize he had a boy out of his marriage. And instead of being a blessing of having a boy, the only boy, this was a curse in a way for him. And... As a punishment, because my mother decided, thanks God, to keep going with the pregnancy, 
as a punishment, my father didn't recognize me until I was five years old. That changed, but thanks God, five years into me being born, he decided to give me his last name. But he constantly told her, this is a way of punish you for having him, that I'm not going to name him after me. And that's my journey. Everything started from the very beginning with my mom. And I was born in the midst of this chaos. Now she's homeless. She's pregnant. And in the midst of that reality, since I was born, Jess, I, I don't remember a moment of refreshness, a moment of quiet, because everything was very tumultuous. Since I remember... I have been working in the streets as a child. And so to understand the practical effects of poverty, that's the reason I'm going back to the story of my mom, because many people say there are people in poverty because they make poor decisions. And sometimes that's true, but not most of the cases. For our reality, it has to do with the spiritual darkness and sexual abuse. And for others, sometimes has to do with hurricanes and catastrophes. And so children are stuck by poverty from the very beginning at the womb of their mother. Children in poverty don't understand that they are in poverty. For them, that's their life. And that's the reason we need to make sure that for the sake of children in need, we do the best that we can as Christians to help them get out of that reality. Otherwise, that's life for them. Investing in others is, is what I hope those listening grab around my story. Because this is a story of, honestly, people who sacrificially gave so I can be where I am right now. It's not about me. It's not about achievements. It's not about what I have achieved but what God did through them so I can be with you talking right now. I would like to share with you some practical examples of the letters because sponsoring a child involves letter writing. Greeting Jonathan from Michigan. I always make fun because Jamie seems to be very proud about Michigan. Like she mentions Michigan in every letter. And it's so funny. Greeting Jonathan from Michigan. We receive our first dusting of snow today. And Thanksgiving. Today is a great day to reflect on all the things that I am thankful for, and you are one of those that I am greatly thankful for. It is because of Jesus' birth that we can have hope and assurance of eternal life after death. Please wish your family happy holiday season. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. Luke 2.11. In Christ's love, Jamie. Three things in the letter, Jess. Number one, no idea what Thanksgiving was. This woman, Jamie Boilema, thousands of kilometers away, I've never seen her, but I have always read her, wrote a letter to remind me that even though my father thought that I was a mistake, this woman loved me. This woman didn't think that I was a mistake, but she thought in fact, she was thankful about me. Thousands of kilometers away, there is someone thankful about me. And second, my hope and assurance never came from my earthly father, but from the finished work of Jesus in the cross. It is in his death and in his resurrection that today I can speak to you freely. 
that today I can speak to you with assurance, no for today, but for eternity. I'm going to be with Jesus forever, reigning with him in his, in his throne without the burdens and the chains of the past of poverty and the lies of the devil that I was a mistake because of his life, his death, and his, and his resurrection. That's how a letter, I, I hope those who are listening grab this in my story, that how this relationship of sponsoring a child goes beyond giving money, but get to the point of making children disciple of Jesus. The effects of one faithful, struggling financially young woman in Michigan led to echoes of restoration, not only for me, for the country. I now serve compassion in the Dominican Republic, training and providing support to 248 churches that we partner with. And one of my greatest joy is to now help these local churches to release 68,000 children in poverty in the Dominican Republic in Jesus' name. Compassion was so generous to fly here there to meet with me and actually to speak of our story. This is my story and Jamie's story. And one thing that she told me was, I never imagined that a simple mom will make such an impact in someone's life. Let me just wrapping up with this idea. Here's the thing for those listening, uh, moms who are listening, moms that are dealing with the stress of the everyday, taking care for their kids, maybe working, taking care for their husbands, maybe single mothers, single fathers, grandpas, whoever who is listening, never, never leading your children or even these children like me in need through letters to Christ is something simple. Never. It's always supernatural. Discipleship is always for eternity. And it is one of the most important, it's the most important thing. No, no one is the most important thing a human being can do. And I told her that and she was crying and she was so thankful. As you can see there, sponsoring a child, please be aware you're joining a community of people by the grace of God, spreading the gospel for children in me when I was a child who are in need to be released from poverty. In Jesus' name, thank you, Jason. Thank you for those listening. Thank you so much, Jonathan. Friends, I am so excited that here on the Just Connolly podcast, we are partnering with Compassion International, and we want to invite you into that partnership as well. I believe in Compassion's mission to release children from poverty in Jesus' name, and I am so grateful to say that I've seen the impact myself. One of my favorite things to do every couple of months is to get a letter from my sponsored child, and it's just a joy to hear her life, to hear how God is moving in her life, and I'm so grateful to invite you into this as well. We're not just changing the lives of children when we partner with Compassion. We're changing entire families. We're getting to partner with God as He does that. Whole communities, the local church, all of it. When you sponsor a child through Compassion, you are ensuring access to quality education, medical checkups, 
healthy food, clean water, and most importantly, discipleship. They get to hear about the love of Jesus from a local church in their community. I hope you'll join me in sponsoring a child through Compassion. All you have to do right now is pull out your phone, open up a text, and text the word Jess, J-E-S-S, to 833 You will immediately actually get back a text with a picture of a child who is waiting for sponsorship and a link to sponsor that child. Again, pull out your phone, open a text, and type the word J-E-S-S to the phone number 833-93. You can also go to compassion.com slash Jess to choose a specific boy or girl to sponsor. When you sponsor a child, Compassion is actually going to send you a copy of my book, You Are the Girl for the Job, as a thank you for investing in the life of this child. This is a win, win, win. You get to help a specific child see a community, a family, and a local church carry out the mission of Jesus, and you get a copy of You Are the Girl for the Job. If you already have one, give it to a friend. Thank you for joining me in sponsoring a child through Compassion. I'm so glad we get to do this together. All right, we're back. We've got just a couple more questions. Let's go. I love this question. What are the top three books that have impacted my faith? Okay, so there was a book that I read in high school right after I met Jesus called A Woman and Her God. It was a compilation book of a bunch of different essays. A couple of years ago, I found my copy of this book, and I have to say I reread it, and I was like, wow, I don't remember what was so impactful for me about this. Like it's a great book, but it was just a game changer for me. There was a lot in there about basically what they were talking about was biblical femininity, but I didn't really understand it. And I remember just feeling really alive. And I also remember it being one of the first times I thought, I think I'd like to write books one day. I loved that book. The second most impactful book that I read for my faith, I read in college, and I actually talked about it on the podcast a couple of weeks ago in my episode with Faith Yuri Cho, and that is Practicing the Presence of God by Brother Lawrence. I read it in college, and or I think it's called The Practice of the Presence of God, and it was monumental for me in my walk with Jesus and understanding Holy Spirit and understanding friendship with God. It was an absolute like day and night experience for me in my walk with God. And then the most recent book that just really massively impacted my faith that I try to read about once a year is The Book of Waking Up by Seth Haynes. It's a much more modern book. It was written just a couple of years ago. I think I read it in 2020, maybe maybe 2021, but I think it was 2020. And for me, I think it was the first book that helped me really bring my emotional health into my relationship with Jesus, starting to understand like mental, emotional desire and health and awareness and walking with God. And I love that book. And I just, just saying it makes me remember that I, I think I want to read it again in the next few weeks. Okay. Speaking of books, what would you say to a woman who wants to write books? Number one, I would say, praise God. Thank you for acknowledging that desire in you. So I'm going to just preach at you for about three minutes. Let's go. My first thing I would say to you is if your desire is to see your name on a book cover or to see your name on a bookshelf, that is a desire I totally understand. And it will not be enough to power you through the process of writing books. It's fun and it's life-giving, but you should only 
pursue book writing if you really want to change the world through the written word. So if you're just like, hey, I just want to tell my story or I just want to see my name on a book cover, I totally get it. But writing books is a pretty hard process. And so I would say, look for something deeper, like a desire to serve your reader and absolutely see their life changed through your work. So that's my first thing I would say. Number two, I would massively encourage you to get on the wait list for Go Teams. Go Teams is the group coaching program that we do through Go and Tell Gals. We're starting it in January, February of 2024. We have an entire track for women who want to write books, and we walk you through the entire process of publishing, and you get to ask every single question you could ever ask. And we really do this because we want to come against gatekeeping and say, if you want to write books, we want to tell you everything you need to know and everything that will help you get started and keep going. The last thing I would tell you if you're a woman who wants to write books is I would say, you don't hold off on writing until you get a book deal. You start writing today and I would encourage you to start sharing your writing today. Start using social media to write, start a blog, start a newsletter list, but start serving people with your words right now today because you can, and that will actually help you in the entire process of the desire of book writing, but also it will help you remember every single day that writing is about serving people and it's about being on their team. If you're interested in joining the list for Go Teams, the wait list for Go Teams, you can see the link in the show notes of this podcast. All right. I love this question. Somebody just said, will you just talk about the different ways to have a quiet time? Will you talk about what your quiet time looks like? Again, I actually think I did touch on this a couple of weeks ago in my episode with Faith Yuri Cho, but my quiet time is pretty simplistic. I start with a gratitude list. I spend a little bit of time reading scripture, whatever I'm reading. Sometimes right now, as I'm in seminary, whatever I'm reading might be whatever I'm researching for a paper. So I maybe I'm reading a Bible study, maybe I'm reading a devotional, maybe I'm reading a chapter of the Bible. Sometimes I'll just ask Nick, like, hey, what are you reading the Bible right now? I want to read that. Or sometimes I'll ask the gals that I disciple, hey, what book of the Bible do we want to read together? And it's not too scientific of a process for me. I'm not necessarily like going through a certain plan at all times. I do think in 2024, Nick and I are going to commit to read the Bible chronologically. So that'll be my Bible reading for the day most days. And then I just spend a little bit of time in prayer. And I'm going to talk at the end of this episode too, in just a minute about how I pray for people and how I kind of organize my prayer life because I need that. But that's as simple as it is for me. It's usually anywhere from 15 to 45 minutes. And I like to say that to normalize for women who are assuming they have to have 90 minute long quiet times with a candle and soft music playing in the background. It's about 15 to 45 minutes, gratitude, scripture, prayer. Nick actually is the one who named it GPS, Gratitude Prayer Scripture, which also just helps me remember. And it's a cute little acronym to help you guide your life. Okay. So moving on this next question I love, somebody asked, how do you pray for your friends? And I love this question, especially after we've come off of our friendship series, because I do think that we've got an epidemic of Christian women being like, oh, I'll pray for you. And we actually don't do that. We don't pray for each other. So let's talk about it. So number one, if somebody asks me to pray for them, like on the spot or in the moment, if they're like, hey, hey, by the way, will you just pray for my sister? Or like, hey, will you just pray about this thing? If I can, 
in any way, shape or form, I stop right then and say like, hey, let's just pray right now. Can I just pray for you right now? Because I know my brain and I know my capacity. And I know that if I say like, oh, I'll be praying for you and I don't write it down or I don't make a plan, I won't do it. And so I want to actually be genuine and I actually want to go to God with them and stand with them and for them. So if I can, I'll stop right then and there and pray. The next thing I do is that I keep in my journal a running list of things I'm praying about. And the reason why this helps me is number one, it helps me to organize my thought life and like, what am I worried about? What am I stressed about? What burdens am I carrying? Let me write those down on my prayer list. And the second thing it helps me do is it helps me release those things to God. And as I write them down, remember, like this is God's to hold. I may not be able to do anything about it. So I will open that usually almost every single day. Sometimes if I don't get to it every day, I'll do it two or three times a week. And then what I end up doing is keeping my phone close by. And let's say that my friend said like, hey, will you pray for, this happened recently. My friend said, hey, will you pray for my photo shoot this weekend? I'm doing a photo shoot outside and I'm worried about the weather. And I said, yeah, absolutely. So I wrote it down on my prayer list. And then what I did is a few days later, I opened up that list and I saw that her photo shoot was that day and I talked to God about it. And then I just texted her and said like, Hey, I want to let you know, I'm praying for your photo shoot today. I hope the weather is great, but more than anything, I hope you feel peace and I hope you feel confident in your job and that you feel the capacity to, to do what you need to do today. In Jesus name. Amen. So I will kind of follow up via text or send people a quick voice memo. And I find that that helps me just be genuine, but a list is absolutely what helps me remember how to pray for my friends. And then praying in the moment is the other thing that really helps me. But I I love a voice memo prayer. If I'm just driving and I think of a friend, I'll just pull out my voice memo and just pray for her and send it to her. Okay, very last question. What helps you keep going in this season or what is helping you keep going in this season? And I have to say two things are anchoring me in this season that that is really full and really beautiful and also sometimes a little bit hard. Number one is don't be surprised, gratitude. (laughs) Starting every single day with my gratitude rhythm keeps me so anchored and present. And I was actually telling my team yesterday that a new thing I'm doing on top of my gratitude practice is that I'm starting every day by saying, this is the dream. Or I've even started to say like, this is a dream season. Just to speak life over the fact that I do have a lot of responsibilities. I do have a lot on my plate. I do have a lot to get done. I do have anxiety and stress and worry. And also God is here. Holy Spirit is moving. This is the dream. And I'm so grateful for getting to be present in this season and showing up. And so gratitude not only helps me praise God and thank God for what he's doing, but it also helps me be present in my day and not just feel like it's whooshing by me. The other thing that is really keeping me going in this season is working with a lot of vision. So I'm not just thinking about what God is doing today and what he did yesterday, but I'm thinking about what I perceive God's going to be doing a year from now, what I think he's going to be doing three years from now, what I think he's going to be doing five years from now. And I've been foreshadowing that Nick and I are coming up with a new offering to help you and potentially your spouse or your friends work on a vision for your life. But I'm excited to share that with you in a couple of weeks. And so if you're a person who could really use a one-year, three-year, five-year, 10-year vision, we got you and we're going to be on your team. And I can't wait to tell you more about that. Hey, you guys are so generous. Thank you for asking all these really fun questions. Thank you for listening to this episode. Thank you for listening to Jonathan's story. Can I just pray for you really quickly before I send you off? 
God, I thank you for my friends. I thank you for this podcast. I thank you for the internet, for the fun of getting to connect with each other. I just pray for my friends right now. And in the name of Jesus, I pray that they would feel connected and seen by you. They would feel heard by you today, God, that they would have time to explore how they're doing and what you're doing in their lives, that they would be able to practice gratitude and vision and really experience the fullness of where you are and what you're doing in their life right now today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Friends, I'm so grateful you listened to today's episode. Thanks for spending time with me. It would mean the world to me to connect with you. So you can send me a DM on Instagram at Jess A. Connolly or head to my website, JessConnolly.com for more ways to connect. If you have a minute to subscribe and leave a review of the podcast wherever you listen, it would massively help us reach more people with the good news that they can live fully awake. Let's go. Let's go.